the future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Welcome, welcome. It is Monday, December 12th, 2022. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out to Coop Live. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. On Out to Coop Live, we talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards and from across the country. You can join us also at the end of the week for our Friday Politics Roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And you can check out our once or twice monthly The Wednesday Show with Cyril Michaleko. Cyril, of course, is the editor-in-chief of the Bucks County Beacon, and he joins me to drill down into Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and international politics. You can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support this podcast by going to, yes, here it is, www.patreon.com slash rcpress, where you can become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. You can also help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. And welcome to our new Mastodon community. Yes, as part of the great Twitter exodus, Rager Chicken is now on Mastodon. You can find us on Mastodon at rcpress at union.place. That's at rcpress at union.place. And for more PA Progressive Talk, tune into the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your streams. You know, you got to subscribe to his podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Check out all the information about all his shows. Head on over to therick'smithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And you've got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast if you haven't already. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast at Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And for all you gamers out there, yes, the holidays are right around the corner. They're bearing down on us. we got to check out The Game In. That's with two N's. That's The Game In. It's a Quakertown-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything from retro N64s, their latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops. And kids get discounts when they get A's in the report card. How can you beat that? Check them out on their Facebook page. Follow them on Twitter at, at The Game In. Got a question about a game, look for something hard to get, shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. And a shout out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page or follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Day Man. That's with two N's, at Song of Day Man on Twitter. And for all you folks kind of who are had enough of the school board craziest, do not let Paul Martino and his oligarch friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community. Raging Chicken has teamed up with Level Field to launch a truly community-rooted PAC to invest in organizing, supporting local and statewide progressive candidates, and unmasking the toxic organizations injecting our communities with right-wing extremism. We're putting small-dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. You get more information and drop your donation at ragingchicken.levelfield.net. That's ragingchicken.levelfield.net. 
Well, everybody, uh, we've got a great show for you tonight, uh, as promised, right? On this week's show, I welcome Garen McGarian back to the show, and we're going to be digging into the Moore v. Harper, you know, that Supreme Court case that could upend American democracy as we know it. In the Bucks, in the Bucks County Beacon, McGurian uh, warned that the fringe constitutional argument at the heart of this case, known as the independent state legislature theory or doctrine, depends on who you're talking to, paves the way for a single party rule and disenfranchisement of voters. McGurian is an experienced litigator and trial lawyer licensed in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and in the state of New Jersey. He has represented clients in both both states and federal courts. He is AV peer review rated for Martindale Hubble, reflecting achievement at the height of professional excellence and integrity. McGarrian received his law degree from Georgetown University Law Center in 1995, where he served as an associate editor of the American Criminal Law Review. He earned his Bachelor's of Arts in, in Honors Philosophy from Villanova University in 1992, where he was awarded the university's valedictoria medallion. McGarrian is a member of the National Employers Lawyers Association and the Chester County Bar Association. Welcome back to the show, Garen. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Good to be here. Hey, you know, I wish uh, some one of these days we're going to have you on to talk about some good things that are happening in the Supreme Court, uh, the court system. But, <laughs> oh my. Uh, but tonight's not one of them. <laughs> that may not be in my lifetime or yours. <laughs> I hear you there. I hear you, especially with a 6-3 court stacked the way it is at the top. Um, uh. But this is pretty crazy. Well, before before we jump into the case of Moore v. Harper, we can just tell little yeah. people to remind them a little for maybe a kind of new, haven't didn't see you when you came on the show last night. I'm familiar with your work. Can you give me just a kind of a, a brief sketch of the kind of the work that you do as a lawyer? Um, most of the work I do is in the area of civil rights, uh, employment law, and First Amendment law. Um, I defend people who uh, who are victimized for speaking their minds basically sued for concocted claims of defamation that kind of thing um so what i have not done in my practice except for one small case that i handled in new jersey many many years ago is, is any kind of election related litigation um but in the wake of what the supreme court has done over the course of the last couple of years and in the wake of what we're seeing happening throughout the country with respect to gerrymandering and, and uh, Republican outrageous conduct in terms of their, uh, their attempts to subvert our democracy, I think all of us have become election uh, experts or election lawyers, like people paying attention to how the laws of our country are being distorted um into keeping minority in power perpetually and so that's i think uh what what this case is about also um yeah 100 i mean and you had this piece this came out right after the decision that the um, supreme court made to take up this case mm -hmm. Harper. you had this piece in the bucks county beacon the u.s supreme court intends to dismantle democracy uh, that's recently been republished because after because in the wake of uh you know this case actually oral arguments were heard this past week which we'll get into in a minute um this is definitely troubling so before we get yeah. into the heart of the matter, can you talk just a little bit about what was this case about, right, at least on its surface, and then what? why did the Supreme Court decide to take this up, do you think? Yeah, so there's there's a way to talk about this case without people's eyes glazing over, and <laughs> and I, I think I may have figured it out after attempting to talk to people about it many, many times and having their eyes glaze over. Um, but why don't we start 
at the very basic premise or a very basic question, which is like, what do you think democracy is? If you if you were going to say democracy is, you know, complete the sentence, what would you say? Yeah, it's a people power. It's a people rule, right? The people right. are in the ones who are empowered to rule the government. That's the exactly way. right. It's basically citizens being able to elect their leaders, right? I mean, I think we can all agree, no matter who, what part of the political spectrum you're on, I think we can all agree that it's a good thing that we are able to vote people in and we're able to vote people out if those people aren't serving our interests, okay? I mean, I... I would hope that we could all agree on that point. Yeah, I think that's your baseline. I think, you know, it's funny you should say it like that, too. I'm teaching a class in the spring called Rhetoric Democracy Advocacy. I've had to change the way that it's led in. And we're actually going to lead with exactly that question. That is how we're going to begin the class, precisely because the way we have to talk about what is it that we mean here? Are we talking about just a bunch of little procedures and kind of like legal maneuvers? Or are we talking about a philosophy of how we live our lives and who gets to make decisions? Right. I mean, this is at the baseline of what democracy is. Yeah. There, there it is, right? So what's at stake in this case is nothing short of free and fair elections. Um, the Republicans who sued basically want to be able to control all aspects of federal elections in their states with no checks from any other entity that is traditionally considered as part of that state structure. That means no check from the governors, and more importantly, no check from the state Supreme Courts. So that's essentially what's at stake. The Republicans want to set the rules for every single federal election, and you can imagine the kind of problems that would stem from that. So uh, let's talk about the main problem, which is gerrymandering. Now, again, this is another one of those terms where people's eyes, I literally see it roll into their heads. As soon as I utter the word gerrymandering, they're out, they're out, they're knocked out. So um, instead of, instead of like that abstract term, that obscure abstract term, let's call it something else. Let's call it politicians picking their voters instead of voters picking their representatives. Like, so that's essentially what gerrymandering is. And it used to be this kind of quaint practice where, yeah, you know, Massachusetts did it in the 1700s and, and uh, it, was, it was kind of more of a guessing game back then. In the days of, in today's age of computer modeling, gerrymandering can be so effective that you could literally draw maps and remain in power in perpetuity if you want to do it. And Republicans, after the devastating 2020 elections, did exactly that. In evenly divided states like Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Wisconsin, like where Democrats and Republicans would get 50% of the vote statewide, the maps were drawn in such a way that Republicans always had a massive advantage. In Pennsylvania, remember, it was a 13-5 advantage yep. for our congressional maps. In North Carolina, 11 to, 11 to 3. Wisconsin, 5 to 3. So if you can draw maps with surgical precision using computer modeling, and you have no check on that kind of abuse of power, 
guess what's going to happen? Exactly what's happened, exactly which what's is happened. they're going to they're going to vote themselves into power. They're going to map themselves into power and obviate, eliminate, reduce the effectiveness of your vote. So um, you guys remember, I mean, Kevin, you people, we all have short, very short memories. I think it's like one of the hallmarks of like human human nature to have a very short, short memory because it allows you to survive through trauma and all kinds of things. But we all remember those 2010 maps. Right. Like we remember what PA6 looked like. We remember what the collar counties looked like. They were, uh, uh, you know, they were, remember Donald Duck, they had like quaint ways of representing what those maps were, but they were horrible. They were effectively designed to keep massive Republican advantages. And what people forget is 2018, when we had, when we were able to elect um, representatives like Chrissy Houlihan and um, and uh, Mary Scanlon and Susan Wilde and all these folks who came in, that was because we had fair maps at the insistence of our Pennsylvania Supreme Court. 100%. So, so what the case is about is the Republicans striking back and saying, oh, yeah, well, if your Pennsylvania Supreme Court determined under Pennsylvania's constitution that your maps need to be fair, well, we're going to take it to our Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, where we have a 6-3 supermajority, and we're going to get them to tell you that, no, the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court judges don't have any say in this matter it's entirely up to the state legislature to decide how these maps are drawn. And we want to go back to the, in fact, we want to go worse than that 13-5 advantage. We want to maybe go to a, you know, a 15-2 advantage if we can. Well, and they're even saying, right, I mean, this is their, this is that, we'll get into some of the specifics of this too, this independent state legislature theory or doctrine, which is even saying, it's like, okay, we, we don't want anybody else involved, just the state legislature. We've already rigged the map. We've already rigged the voting from back in the 2010 maps. Right. right? And so now that we're in a position, we being the Republican majorities in several key states, right now that we're in the majority, now we're basically going to say nobody else gets to have a say over it. And we're going to be able to dictate this. We saw this is what some of Trump's lawyers were pushing as some of the, you know, first people are like, what are they talking about? The, the Georgia people, like the Georgia legislature or the Wisconsin legislature or the Michigan could just decide not to throw out, to look, to treat the voters as kind of like, you know, like consumer kind of uh, consumer feedback. Back. You know, like, well, what do you think about this? Nah, okay, we hear what you're saying, but no, we're going to throw it out and they get to choose. I mean, that's at the stake of what's going on. And well, to, they- to your point about the, the, the surgical precision, I go back to this stuff on uh, David Daly's book, kind of from some several years back, I think 2016, it's called Rat Eft, The True Story yeah. Behind America's Secret Plan to Steal America's Democracy. He actually mm-hmm. drives some of those lines that you're talking about that were drawn as part of that, of those maps. And he's like, you're cutting like in and out of neighborhoods just to make sure that you can capture the amount um, like the, the people that you want in order to make sure that you maintain power. And what it, what makes it particularly effective is that you have states like New York and California, major democratic strongholds where the Supreme Courts in those states and the, and the, and the legislatures in those states have built in fair maps. So you have democratic strongholds with fair maps 
large Democratic strongholds with fair maps. And then you have um, Republican strongholds now like Florida and Ohio and all, basically Texas and all the southern states that gerrymander out the wazoo with incredibly unfair maps. So we are fighting on a completely uneven playing field. Um, uh, ostensibly, we lost the House of Representatives this time around because New York was unable, because of their laws, to gerrymander their maps, whereas all of the states controlled by uh, Republicans, where the Republicans also dominated the state Supreme Courts, they gerrymandered out the wazoo. And so we have a uh, House of, uh, really an illegitimate House of Representatives that doesn't reflect the true will of the voters in this country. It is, it is a House of Representatives formed from and out of gerrymandering. Um, and, and, it, and I don't know how you contend with an uneven playing field like that. Uh, and not many of the analysts are, who have looked at this issue are approaching it from that perspective and saying, like, look, how can the Democratic states be unilaterally disarming in this fight? You know, because yep. when you have New York and California drawing fair maps and nowhere else drawing fair maps, like how do how do we how do we fight this battle? You're you're showing up and saying, OK, we, we surrender. Basically, you're going to have the House of Representatives and not just that. But as we saw in the in the Pennsylvania uh, local elections and in the, in the statewide elections, for the first time in, you know, in, in decades, decades, the Democrats had a chance of actually becoming the majority in the in the uh, state assembly. And and it looks like they they are the majority. They will be the majority in the state assembly. And that is not attributable, not merely attributable to voters getting their act together and, and supporting common sense and good democratic uh, representatives, it's also a function of fair maps. <laughs> like, you can't ignore that, you know? That's why we had somebody like Paul Friel get elected, because finally there was a fair map in, in his district. Um, and the same goes through the true uh, nationwide. You know, you, you can't have free and fair elections when one party is egregiously drawing maps to favor themselves and, and using these incredibly sophisticated computer models in order to pick their voters. Like who wants to be, who wants to have their vote be rendered meaningless? Nobody. But that's effectively what we're all allowing to happen through this kind of, um, through this kind of unfair process. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're, <laughs> Part of the problem is here, right? I think that just like you said, is I think you see Democrats or Democratic controlled states, right? They are acting along the lines of like the way things should be, right? We should have maps that are kind of representative. They're competitive districts. They're all this stuff. Yeah. This is the way it should be. But they're right. in the world that should be. They're fighting. And, you know, so we're okay. We're going to behave as if like this is the way, you know, we're set a good example kind of stuff where you have right. another party and not just another party, but an entire kind of right wing, well-funded infrastructure that is designed right for power. That's it. Like, there is no principle there other than power. Right. You know, so when you see all this reporting about, well, you know, the Republicans, oh, God, you know, they're a bunch of hypocrites or you can you believe they did this? That They don't care. 
Yeah, like, it's like it, there really is no. And that's why, you know, I look at, you know, some of the some of the even the coverage about what this case was about is focusing so much on the kind of the, the legal theory of this independent state legislature. Right. As as if it has some kind of constitutional legs. But from my perspective, this is this is just made up out of whole cloth for the purpose of gaining power. Right. And, yeah. and giving it some kind of cloak of legitimacy by calling it constitutional or calling it legal theory when it's really about a power play. That's sheer politics. Oh, man. Like, yeah, that's exactly right. You, you know, who one of the chief architects of this kooky theory is. And by the way, some people call it not a theory, not a doctrine, but fan fiction, because that's what it <laughs> I is. Like it. It's it's uh, the independent state legislature fan fiction. Um, and it's it's basically concocted in a right wing think tank. One of its chief architects is drum roll, John Eastman. There you go, <laughs> John Eastman. Where do we know his uh, name from? Yeah, he sounds familiar. <laughs> Didn't he have something to do with the coup? And um, exactly. yeah, I, I think what this is, Kevin, and this should scare everybody, is that if adopted, or I should say, when adopted in some form, this is going to be the bloodless coup okay if you can effectively render votes meaningless through supreme court case you don't need to have people storming the capitol in order to overthrow democracy you can do it through you know the supreme court case through the supreme court opinions through supreme court decisions and now all of a sudden like your vote is meaningless and there's nothing you can do about it well, and this is really the last, like the last, like linchpin left too, right? Because you have, and because in part because of demographic shifts, but also because of, you know, disproportionate representation in the Senate, right? Yeah. Where you have basically, you know, the, the number of people that are represented, you know, represented by Republicans versus Democrats is like, you know, it's it's like, it's not it's not even a game, right? I mean, yeah. like Democrats, you know, they win more votes all the time. Right. Um, but because the way that our Senate is set up, two seats per state, regardless of population. Right. So you have a disproportionate lean towards rural states. Right. And it was the giveaway to the former slaveholding states. Right. I mean, that's that's right. that's our history. So that that was one body. Right. The Senate was already weighed in the direction of um, kind of more conservative um, kind of backlash type of politics. Then when you had, a, you know, Mitch McConnell, you had the Federal Society agenda in kind of in the legal realm to go after the courts. Right. In order to pack the courts with particular with conservative justices to ensure that no Democrat could get their justices um, nominated, as we saw with with Merrick Garland, for example. Right. To take the Supreme Court. And the, the one holdout there is the House of Representatives. Right. Because it's supposed to be the House of the people. <laughs> but if you can cut that off. Right. Cut that last leg of the stool stool off by going through gerrymandering. And as you said, politicians picking their voters, then there's no barrier to long-term single-party rule regardless of what the majority the will of the majority is in the country we will never be able to kick the bums out effectively they will have held the supreme court and the senate and the house of representatives and um it's no wonder that uh you know i think five of the six justices who are in the supermajority right now the conservative supermajority were all appointed by presidents who lost the popular yep. vote 100 percent so that's, you know, it's no wonder that they might be interested in adopting a theory that keeps minority rule in perpetuity. Um, 
So it's, it's frightening, you know, I mean, you, I, I think you clearly understand, I think all of us here clearly understand the, the danger here. Um, and you're right. I mean, the, the ISL fanfic had no basis in law history or precedent. It was just entirely made up and concocted. And the fact that even cert was granted by the Supreme Court to review this case is outrageous. They should, it, it's not, the Supreme Court is only supposed to rule on close cases. And this is not, an, and not a close case. Like every scholar that has looked into it, you had people submitting amicus briefs um, all 50 state chief judges submitted an amicus brief, essentially blasting this theory as without law, without basis in law history or precedent. But at the, but that, you know, having said that, we saw what this court did in the last term, right? You know, and we, we, again, we have very short term memories, but it's helpful to revisit what these guys did these guys and this gal did um, in the last week of their term. You know, we had uh, Dobbs v. Jackson, which overruled Roe v. Wade, five decades of precedent, permitted total abortion, uh, total prohibition of abortion in, in many states. Um, and then we had the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case versus Bruin that effectively struck down efforts to license concealed weapons, including by states with densely populated cities. It made it easier to carry guns in and around crowded locations. It relied on tortured, expansive and tortured theory of the Second Amendment to do all this stuff. And then you had West Virginia versus the EPA, another French theory known, known as the major of questions doctrine, you know, another like crazy off the wall, right wing concocted theory. It severely restricted the EPA's authority to regulate greenhouse gases. And then and then uh, Oklahoma versus Castro Huerta, where the court dramatically under, undermined Native American rights. And then Vega v. Taco, where we got basically got rid of Miranda warnings. I mean, just so you can see. And then and then Kennedy versus Bremington School District, where they uh, permitted a coach to lead a public prayer group with the students in the middle of the 50 yard line. And, and so like all of these cases kind of signaled that um, this court doesn't care about precedent or about all of the things that sort of made the court legitimate or, or granted its legitimacy. It started abandoning those and tearing those away as if it was like rushing towards um, completing this, this conservative agenda that those many of those justices were sent there to, to complete. And so instead of like J Justice Roberts sort of incrementally, like uh, like all of us are frogs and in, in slowly boiling pots of water, yep. with Justice Roberts, like turning up the heat one degree every term, these guys last term were just like, yeah, screw it, like throw them all in the fire, um, get rid of all the rights, uh, as, you know, as, as fast as we can, and on, and uh, as if all these decisions weren't bad enough, the, the very last thing they did was grant cert on this crazy uh, Moore v. Harper case, this ISL theory case, and, and that to me was kind of a signal, like, okay, yeah, you know, we did all this stuff uh, last term, but wait till you see what we do next term. You know, like that we're going to warm up. Right. That was the warm up. And we're coming for your democracy next. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, the good news very is, dangerous. is that your uh, you know is that your elementary school kids could work now. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Like, right. I mean, that's where we're going, right? I mean, that's exactly pretty, where we're headed. Pretty much, pretty much. So you know, I'm glad you said that about the you know the the frog in the boiling pot of water. You know, um, mm -hmm. because one of the things here's now the case was heard on the seventh, so just this past week, uh, which yeah. on Pearl Harbor Day, which is kind of an insult to injury, if you ask me, but whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it just or or kind of like an apt metaphor um, from the wrong side of the <laughs> thing, right? however you want to look yeah. at it, but. Um, in the aftermath of that, there was a, a bunch of reporting um, about how the oral arguments went. And um, there was uh, some reporting that seemed to say, oh, look, we're going to be able to breathe a sigh of relief. Right. Because it seemed that Amy Coney Barrett might not be all sold on this stuff. Right. And John Roberts is not, you know, he's cares about the court. So, you know, John Roberts is there. But what that freaked me out, to be honest with you, to hear the kind of like, OK, oh, God, we were worried about this. We don't need to worry about it. Go back to your homes. Don't worry about it. Nothing's nothing's going to happen. But what it reminded me of is this debate that we heard around the Dobbs decision. Right. Where John Roberts preferred, as you said, to kind of slowly take away road road. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Bit by bit to it be, until it became ineffectual. Right. It just became another name on paper, but it meant nothing in real life. Right. Because mm. he believed that, you know, that's the way you take away the stuff versus this new breed. It's coming in and basically saying, nope, enough of this piecemeal nonsense. We need to get this like we're here. You know, we need to get this done now. And what it seems to me is that that's the back and forth even on the case was really kind of like a subtle argument over, do we do this all at once right now? Or are we going to do the John Roberts move? Because part of what I heard in this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is but they're basically taking that case from like Bush v. Gore, right, where the Supreme Court came in and basically handed the election to Bush, right? And they were that was supposed to be, this is a one-time thing like that they wrote in their opinion, right? This doesn't apply to anything else, which of course now it's been applied again and again and again. And they just want to yeah. basically take that and move it into majority opinion. And basically saying, yeah, the, the, the Supreme Court, as it's currently constituted, can go in and over turn these kind of elections and so for me it was like the question of wait a minute no we can't go back home have we not learned anything here the reporting yeah. that you know we can all breathe a sigh of relief doesn't seem to be like the case but you know maybe i'm just not understanding things maybe this is oh no kevin is. oh no <laughs> <laughs> i think you are understanding it perfectly i think i i just cannot believe the mistakes like we keep repeating um how many times did you hear after the leak of the Dobbs opinion that that was just a draft? Right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and there's no way they're going to do something this crazy, no, right? right? Right. How many? That, this is just a draft, folks. Like, chill out. Like, take a chill pill. They're not getting rid of Roe v. Wade. And then, like, you know, the opinion drops, and all it did, what all Alito did, was strengthen it. You know, all he did was like double, double down on stuff, and so. Let's just take a take a deep breath and say, OK, you needed four justices to grant cert on this crazy theory. So they had that. So right. those those four are Gorsuch, Alito, Thomas and Kavanaugh. Right. And and so now it's a it's whether Amy Coney Barrett and Justice Roberts jump on board and adopt this crazy theory or even a part of the crazy theory, which I don't even understand, like how you can how you can just say, oh, just give state legislatures 
a little bit of power over to determine what their state constitutions mean. Like, like in the context of Pennsylvania, how do you do that? How do you say, okay, um, Doug Mastriano, uh, you have just a little more power than you did before to pick maps. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. First of all, I don't get it. But second of all, um, they, people who are saying that like, Justice Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett are going to save us or have not paid attention to what Justice Roberts has done since his time on the court. Can we just say, like, just say Citizens United? Can we just start well, there, right? I mean, I mean. Citizens United, Shelby County versus Shelby Holder, County. where you get rid of the 1965 Voting Rights Act, like just by fiat. We don't need it anymore. America no longer has a racism problem. <laughs> you know, that's 2013. You know, and then it's it's from there. Like you had a whole bunch of shadow docket decisions last term, where the court considered a bunch of emergency motions and cases challenging various forms of voter suppression, and sided with the states that engaged in the voter suppression every single time. And, and again, in a case uh, called Merrill versus Milligan, the court barred federal courts from requiring states to correct unconstitutional congressional maps before the 2022 midterm elections. Most outrageously, uh, it stated decision of a lower court that sought to impose fair maps after the Alabama legislature held had adopted maps that deliberately diluted the power of black and Democratic voters in clear violation of the Voting Rights Act. And the court cited a total BS theory called the Purcell principle in saying that ah, it's too late, it's too close to the election for us to change these uh, uh, unlawful maps, so we're just going to let them go. And so not only did that affect Alabama, it affected Ohio, it affected Florida, where you also had like outrageously unfair maps drawn. And fast forward to 2022, and... Well, guess what? Now the Republicans control the House of Representatives because of these like shadow docket decisions. So folks who are opining that, oh, don't worry about it. It looks like, you know, they're not going to do something kooky and crazy are not paying attention. Like they've been undermining democracy since, you know, since they've been there and they're going to continue doing it. And the reason the reason why we're having this debate in the first place is because the federal courts, thanks to the Supreme Court, have decided to stay out of the gerrymandering issue. They left that issue to the states, right? Like, yep. it, it, and so when they left it to the states, uh, election lawyers in the states started going, relying on the state constitutions in order to uh, reverse these horribly gerrymandered maps. And that's the fact that we were having some limited success, including in places like North Carolina, Carolina and Pennsylvania, is the reason why we this crazy theory was adopted and concocted and put forward, uh, waiting for the Supreme Court to uh, to seize on it. And they and they have. And whether they decide that okay, we're not going to adopt the craziest version of this, but we're going to we're going to allow state legislatures to draw the maps with unchecked by state supreme court, which is like I guess the least crazy version. That's still devastating. That puts us in, here in Pennsylvania back in the days of the thirteen five maps, or even worse now. And so, you know, it also it also says that uh, uh, 
you know, they might take away our, our drop boxes. They might get rid of vote by mail. All these things that um, that they you know, they're, they're hit list. They're all their hit list. Um, they, they might they might force everybody to re-register to vote. Like whatever well, crazy was, thing, right? You can right. just basically come in, basically have everybody, you know, and you say, okay, oh, governor, I can't do the state legislature. Okay, you go ahead and you do this, and because we have control over that, we can we can just kind of force everybody to re-register to vote after every election if you wanted to for that. Yeah, vote. yeah. And it's, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's it's I, I look at, you know, some of the language that has been has been kind of grabbed onto as part of those oral arguments. We say, well, look, there are people like Amy Cody Barrett, Cody Barrett and even Brett Kavanaugh was saying, well, look, only like the Supreme Court should only step in when there's like, you know, egregious abuses of like, you know, of where of a state legislature or, you know, they're being kind of like outrageous. Right? And th these are words that they and other parts they're saying, well, you can't. You can't have this independent state legislature because there's no there's no criteria, right? There's no kind of like consistent criteria. So therefore, the state legislature's got to kind of like take everything over. And they say, well, those words that are being latched onto by some of the, in some of this reporting and some of this discussion say that just sets it up for the Supreme Court to, for the next case to come up and say, well, what constitutes outrageous? <laughs> right? yeah. What do we mean by these? Things? They're just so these are just wiggle words. And I mean, in, in a way, Kevin, it is crazy. To, for us to be arguing states' rights, which is what we're doing. This is right? what we're doing, yeah. We're, we're yeah. arguing state rights, states' rights, because Congress has effectively been hobbled by the Senate's filibuster, right? So we can't have a good anti-gerrymandering law. Like, when in 2018, when uh, we swore in the first Democratic Congress, um, H.R. 1 was supposed to reform yep. voting laws. Like that was our HR1. Their HR1 was like some tax cuts. Our HR1 was let's reform democracy. It never got off the ground because of the filibuster in the Senate. Well, so, and not even just that. Let's be clear. This is where this is where the Democrats need to be held accountable because when they released that bill and put that out, like the Democratic leadership thought that was the time to basically spotlight Ilhan Omar's comments about Israel. <laughs> They went all in on kind of like going after and disciplining Ilhan Omar when they should have been <laughs> highlighting what this legislation was about. They basically handed the kind of PR and public pressure football like over to like the dustbin of history. Yeah. And they never got behind it. But you're right about, I mean, ultimately, if, even if the House had gone that through, then we would have been having that same kind of filibuster argument that we keep on having because there's an unwillingness to just jettison that filibuster. But but it but there is some irony here, right? That we are we are arguing for states' rights, <laughs> like which is typically a conservative position. Like we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be, because at the end of the day, there are a lot of like states that are entirely controlled by Republicans, like including the state supreme courts in those areas, right? And so and so, what we really desperately need is a federal law that says, hey, guess what? With all this gerrymandering, it was quaint uh, once upon a time, um, and we all did it with a wink and a nod, but now it's way too sophisticated. Now it's way too dangerous. Now it is literally undermining democracy. It's We do not want to live in what some people are calling and embracing illiberal democracies like Hungary, where yep. Viktor Orban can basically stay in power perpetually because of gerrymandering there. Um, and, and notably, like that guy is hailed as a model for the GOP. 100%. Like that's what they want to imitate. That's what they want in this country. They want they want perpetual minority rule. And this case is their key to getting it.
and it's a question about whether it's going to happen fast or whether it's or going slow. to happen over a kind of a course of like a few years coming forward. Yeah. I want somebody to explain to me, honestly, like I, I haven't, I, I've read a bunch of stuff about it, but I, I have not seen somebody adequately explain to me what a light version of this doctrine would look like. <clears throat> I, I can't imagine one. Like what see, you're I basically can't... saying is the, the federal courts now uh, under the tutelage of the U.S. Supreme Court, will get to decide whether or not a, a state's a state can set its own rules on fairness. Yeah, what I, look, I, I look at this like here's a perfect example of what you're saying. Like, here's two places that I generally go for like Supreme Court analysis after after these documents. One. Um, the SCOTUS blog, right? I think they do a really good job of kind of breaking down what happened over here. But here's the here's the the headline for it: Court seems unwilling to embrace broad version of independent state legislator theory, right? And then in there they say, well, maybe they're going to get a a, a, a a watered down version. Uh, Ian Milheiser, right? Also great, does great work in analysis. Is that Amy Coney Barrett appears likely to block the GOP's latest attack on democracy, right? At least he says at the at the very end, is like, look. This court's decision is not going to be good long term for the court, but he's saying, OK, we're going to get a, a watered down version. But I agree with you. I think I don't know how you you're either you're, you're either kind of like getting like coming down on the side of democracy, coming down on the kind of the side of kind of like the people choosing their representatives or right. you're about the power to the politicians to basically determine kind of, um, you know, one party rule. I, I, I don't yeah, know. I, guess, I guess the I guess the craziest version of it would have had the state legislature acting um, unchecked entirely, including by the state governor. So I think like they're gonna, they're not gonna adopt that version, but still like, if you still have a situation where the state legislature is permitted to dictate how our federal maps are drawn unchecked by the state Supreme Court or the state constitution, where, you know, in Pennsylvania, the our Supreme Court has interpreted our state constitution to say that gerrymandering violates the constitution's, um, uh, the constitution's uh, free and fair elections clause, right? So our state constitution is what is protecting us and giving us fair maps. If you are now going to say as the U.S. Supreme Court, no, 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 only the legislature can decide what's fair maps, then how is that any worse or how is that any better than, you know, saying that, uh, okay, well, you still need the governor's check. Like, who cares? Like, all that means is that they've got to get the governorship and they can, they can do whatever they want, right. unchecked by the state Supreme Court, unchecked by the state constitutions. So crazy. So where does this leave us? That I mean, we're not going to know the results of this um, until next summer, right? Um, yeah. So June, we'll right, find so out June. in June. Probably it'll probably come down the last week, just like you know what they did with Dobbs, because it's their most controversial case, and um, they'll drop it. It'll probably be devastating. <laughs> if if it's if it's look, they've already got four votes. They just need one more. Uh, whether or not Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett join in. Uh, and again, like I pointed out, Roberts has been no friend to voting rights. Right. I mean, he, before he was a Supreme Court judge, he was an election lawyer for the GOP, <laughs> and, right. you know, litigating against the Voting Rights Act. And so now, you know, he's, he's as, a, as a chief judge, he's done his best to dismantle the Voting Rights Act. And, um, and so I'm not really holding out much hope, but 
you know, what, what should have happened, frankly, Kevin, is that uh, in these last few weeks of the uh, of, of Congress's control of uh, Democrats controlling Congress, they should have passed something to address this issue. Instead, what, what I'm afraid of, like, I wish oral argument had gone worse because maybe it would have lit a fire under some of these guys and said, hey, you know what? Like, we're in real imminent danger of losing our democracy. Let's um, let's pass some laws. Let's let's pass H.R. 1. Let's uh, let's make a deal with Manchin and Cinema. Let's see if we can get something, uh, you know, filibuster proof or maybe get some Republicans on board who don't want to see American democracy get flushed down the drain by the Supreme Court. But, you know, people seem too distracted and 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 uh, either that or or they're in on the grift, I guess. Yeah, I hear it. And I think, you know, it seems to me that we're we're setting up for a situation that's just like uh, the Dobbs decision, where now it's going to be about behind the scenes, big money pressure on Amy Coney Barrett in particular, I think. Yeah. Um, to uh, to get over to the conservative side to basically say, OK, look, you can have your dis- you can have your kind of like uh, individual opinion, but you have to vote ultimately with us. Mm-hmm. Right. And we'll see if we're going to get another leaked draft. We're going to see if that, you know, how, what the pressure is going to come. But it seems like that's what we're setting up for to have another summer of watching our democracy eroded. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, on that hopeful note. On that hopeful note, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> we go into no, twenty twenty three. Look, I, I honestly, like one one thing that we here in Pennsylvania did that might actually act as a check against this is that we we flipped our state legislature, yep. right? And so by flipping, and and ironically enough, in North Carolina, the Republicans flipped their state supreme court, so now they control the state supreme court there. And so in a weird way, those those actions might act as like uh, might act to rein in what the Supreme Court wants to do, which is, you know, keep keep Republicans in perpetual power. It would have been if I think it would have been far easier for them to say, okay, yeah, give legislatures unfettered power if the Republicans still controlled the PA House and the PA Senate. Right. Because yep. then, it, then for them, it's like, okay, yeah, well, at least we can keep minority control in Pennsylvania. But now that the Democrats look like they have a shot at, at um, eventually, you know, maybe in uh, March or May, of of uh, holding the House, um, that's a pretty good check against this kind of abuse. I mean, I but do, again, I... like the the, the long term solution is to enact some sort of federal legislation that takes us away from the states, frankly. Like states, like we shouldn't be talking about 50 different- 100%. Gerrymandering, uh, you know, theories. Like it shouldn't be this way. It it shouldn't be that New York and California have have disarmed and have uh, issued fair districts. Whereas all the other, you know, all the the states controlled by Republicans are gerrymandering um, themselves into permanent power shouldn't be that way. No, 100%. And I think it's going to take the kind of uh, organizing that we have seen on the ground as we saw during the during the midterm elections. I mean, uh, here in Bucks County, I know that the, the I, I there were more people that were door knocking on my door than I'd ever seen at any other point in time that I've lived here. 
That's um, great. There nobody would there were, nobody for years would show up and kind of a door knock for any kind of candidate, let alone getting kind of like the you know local municipal Democrats to run um, on this stuff. And now, in part because of the school boards, in part because of the attack on uh, on women's kind of you know <laughs> like citizenship, really, right? Um, kind of autonomy over their own bodies and the Dobbs decision. I think we're seeing. That, but, you know, again, as you know well, the social movements take a long time, right? Um, so it's going to be, we're going to see how much wreckage we're going to get before we can actually get that piece of legislation um, that you're talking about that we need. And I, and I think the other side understands that well, Kevin. Uh, I, the fact that they are moving so quickly uh, to, to cement minority rule, to entrench it, to make sure that it's preserved, tells me that they know that the demographics are shifting against them. And when you when you no longer care about people's opinions, when you can when you can establish your power without concern for how you treat your citizens, uh, we're in we're in trouble at that point. One hundred percent. Well, you know, like I said, uh, at some point, hopefully we're going to have you on when we're just on the eve of passing that new federal legislation that is going to kind of uh, correct these voting laws. Um, But for the meantime, uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time out tonight to come on and talk about this. I cannot think of a more important issue. Well, I, look, I mean, it is one of the kind of foundational issues of democracy, right, to basically to ensure that people are going to be able to choose their representatives and not the other way around. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of unpack some of this for us and really kind of underscore the seriousness of this case tonight. No, I appreciate it. Pleasure. Hey. Hey, you got. Uh, so everybody, uh, thank you for kind of tuning out to, or tuning in tonight. Uh, not tuning out. Please don't tune out <laughs> for dropping in and coming out tonight. Um, and uh, appreciate Gary McGarian kind of coming out of the show. Like to direct you some links in tonight's show notes. You can go check out his piece in the uh, Bucks County Beacon called "U.S. Supreme Court Intends to Dismantle Democracy." And I also put in some links there from uh, it's a great piece on uh, the Moore v. Harper explained uh, from the Brennan Center for Justice, um, and also a good piece from the ACLU on this too as well. You can check those links out in tonight's show notes and remind you so as when it gets grim like this folks uh when uh, we're seeing this kind of stuff the solution is not going away in despair um but is getting with your neighbors and organizing and kind of pushing back and that is the only thing that we are going to be able to do uh thank you emily emily says uh, terrific show and thank you for coming by uh garen again thank you have a great evening and uh look uh look forward to the fight ahead and it's good to have you on our side all right kevin take care all right, everybody, this is Ken Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. want to remind you, you can help support this show by heading on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. Uh, we will be back this Friday for another Friday Politics Roundup. And we're going to have, probably have next Monday our end of 2022 show. I'm going to keep that uh, guest a surprise for now. Um, but until then, everybody, organize, take care. Love you. See you.